I look at this whole process as almost a game, you know, a fun game, because if you don't, then you're going to quit because there's so many challenges that come along the way that if you take it personally, it's going to be too much. So I think what you have to do if you're going to continue is really look at it as a fun game, a fun journey. The Strive for More podcast will resonate with those that strive for more in any aspect of their lives. Follow along on one man's journey on the path to a meaningful life through long-form interviews with everyone from successful entrepreneurs, artists, physicians, leading scientists, social media influencers, and professional athletes. This episode of the Strive for More podcast is brought to you by the Strive Accelerator, which is a weekly mastermind group for entrepreneurs. So if you're not seeing the success you want, or you're searching for a community of like-minded business owners, then send an email to jared at striveaccelerator.ca to book a call and learn more. Our next guest is Avazira's co-founder, a mother of two boys, and a health advocate who has a passion for holistic wellness. Avazira blossomed due to this guest's personal experience that health is not a one-size-fits-all journey. Her dedication to finding alternative sources of nutrition for her then-newborn son's severe eczema and allergies, along with her drive for entrepreneurship, was Avazira's initial sprout. What she discovered would not only change the way her family viewed wellness, but it also sparked her passion to share her experiences with others while creating a line of feel-good wellness products. With her numerous years of executive marketing experience, her vision is to become a global resource that inspires, enriches, and facilitates communities globally on their journey to inner and outer well-being. Please welcome to the show, Shiva Burnett. Well, Shiva, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to share my story with you. And I am looking forward to this. Can't wait to dig into it. And Where I thought we would start is around adaptation. And I know that COVID has had, of course, a huge impact on everybody, but specifically on you and your business, it's had an impact as a big chunk of what your business was, was event-based. And of course, (laughs) it goes without saying that that has stopped and that has forced you to go into the online space and into some bigger box retailers, which is huge. And I, I give you a lot of kudos for that. My question to you is, what did that strategic process look like as you were trying to make that decision of, okay, COVID has impacted our business, now what? Well, definitely with COVID, there has been a huge challenge of, you know, switching strategies and looking at what is the best thing that we can do as a business uh, to be able to essentially um, not only survive, but also thrive in this environment. And there were many factors that happened. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, we lost, um, let's say, the in-person events, the shopping behavior of people changed, you know, the mentality of the customers changed and they, their needs changed. So the first thing we had to do is really sit back and, and say to myself, okay, um, what do clients and the customers and my target audience looking for right now in this particular situation? And how can my products and services and everything that I've been offering to them previously, let's say mostly in person, now be transferred online? And it took a, um, it took a little while to sort of, you know, sit down and hash that out and understand, okay, this is what we can offer. This is how we can add value uh, to the customers and to the people that are part of our community. And then just learning from what you've done right and what has not worked for you. The funny thing is um, that sometimes, you know, when we're in person, um, we have the opportunity to really engage with someone who is potentially your target audience. And you get to understand their pain points. You get to understand, you know, um, what is it that they're concerned about, answer their questions, where sometimes when you bring your business online, you don't necessarily have that information because they're not directly in front of you. So what I found was a huge advantage is tapping into that information, you know, having the opportunity to physically be in front of them and having that engagement. It's like taking that information and that that data and now transferring it online. Um, Of course, the transformation is not 
easy necessarily. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but it does take time and there's different methods. And um, the online space itself can often be uh, crowded and there's a lot of competition. But I think what has helped us is really sticking to what we know has worked, understanding what it is that we're offering to our customers and really amplifying um, those messages and those key drivers with the online model and just being patient because it takes time, right? Um, Like anything else, it's not an overnight process. You have to be consistent and continuously evaluate what's happening. You mentioned that customer behavior changed because of COVID. How did, I guess, what did that process look like of figuring out how the behavior changed and then consequently what you could do to serve your customers better? Yeah, so I can share some examples with you. So I know that initially when we entered the pandemic, there was that, you know, crazy rush, like panic shopping, you know, everybody. Toilet paper everywhere, Shiva, (laughs) that my house is still full. (laughs) Toilet paper, flour, like, you know, all sorts of things that we would never buy. Chemicals we never would have imagined that we used, right? Um, And so there was that frenzy at the beginning. And of course, um, because our business falls under the well this category, we sort of saw a spike, you know, in, in people wanting to kind of obtain all the different products. So initially it was a surge of business, but then after everyone came back to their senses and realized, okay, this is for the long haul, um, you know, their spending behavior changed uh, where before maybe, you know, people were thinking about, you know, luxury items or, you know, things that were more for like, you know, oh, I really want this is it it became more about need. And also the financial security for people wasn't necessarily there. So for example, a big part of my uh, business is having seasonal subscription boxes. Um, And we noticed that right away when the pandemic happened, a lot of people decided to put their uh, memberships on pause because they're just more uncertain what's going to happen. So one of the adjustments we had to make is really, you know, um, offer packages that allows them the freedom to, uh, you know, buy now and maybe save if they continue to come back with us. And just being understanding of the season and environment that we're currently in, um, not giving up or looking at it as a failure because saying, okay, well, my goodness, like all these people are pausing or they're not signing up for the subscription, but really understanding that right now, you know, it's more about their health. It's more about their needs. So even changing the messaging where before, for example, you know, it was about feel good products. It became now more about, you know, immunity. Um, The messaging of itself had to change as well of how we communicated with them and, you know, offering things such as free shipping and, um, you know, understanding what is going to make this experience better for them as we're all going through these major challenges that we're stuck at home um, and, you know, we are now not sure exactly what's going to happen. And with that uncertainty, there is, um, you know, definitely some, a lot of, you know, um, people don't know, like, what's going to happen. So you definitely have to do a better job at convincing and educating with the information. So it's just getting into the mindset of not only your customer, but also the environment and what it is that you're offering and kind of making those adjustments from there. I get the sense that you've really been able to understand your customers' needs really well and adapt to them really well. Where do you think you've developed that skill of understanding human psychology and understanding customers' needs? Where does that come from? Maybe because I have a psychology degree. That would do it. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, uh, well, my background is in, um, I have a major in business management and psychology. So definitely some of it comes from that. Uh, but more so it's just experience. And I have to be honest that, you know, when I first started my um, entrepreneurial journey, I didn't necessarily understood this as well as I do now. And a lot of trial and error in terms of, you know, um, just understanding that, you know, sometimes what we think as entrepreneurs is, is a good idea may not make sense for the product and services or the people that were offering these things too. And so you learn that from your mistakes when you actually put stuff out there that you think it's wonderful. And then your people are like, what? <laughs> they, you know, it didn't necessarily do as well. And as you grow, 
and now you're putting a lot of money behind all your ideas and things like that, you really learn to test the market. And that's really important um, uh, aspect of, you know, uh, bringing your ideas to life. It's a big process, right? Everyone has good ideas and everyone has, you know, ambition and they want these ideas to flourish. But what's the difference between that idea of someone who's successful and someone who's not? And I think what where I'm getting at is that you really have to hone in to, you can't be everything to everyone. Um, and I think at the beginning of me uh, being in business, I didn't necessarily understand that. I was like, well, you know, um, we could do this and we could do that. And there was a lot of excitement. But as you enter the market and you're really in front of people, you soon realize, you know, you'll be very much more successful if you're able to really focus on your niche and also adapt. Because again, like the, like the environment, people change, times change, things change. So you have to be able to adapt as well. And so I think what has taught me, again, just to go back to your question, is experience, is failure of, you know, seeing things not work and learning from that and really trying to, you know, not make the same necessarily mistakes over again, but really um, working my way through the next process step by step and finding to do it better each time if possible. You spoke about examples of failing at identifying customers' needs and putting out products that maybe didn't ident identify the, the correct need and, and provide a solution. Do you have any examples of products or services that you put out there that just didn't work? Um, so initially, um, when I started Avazira, I had an entire wellness line that included superfood teas and natural gemstone jewelry. Um, and so my idea of the jewelry was that, you know, these are natural stones, they have di different healing benefits. And, you know, they're really like, I, I was really passionate about this. I love the idea. And, you know, I had a bunch of different jewelry that had different meanings and things like that. But what happened was for a lot of my end consumers, they got confused. They're like, okay, are you selling food or are you selling jewelry? So they couldn't see the connection, even though in my brain, I could see the connection and the holistic approach. And, you know, it actually took years, I think, for people to really come to what the stones are now. Like, I think five years ago, people didn't, they weren't as much in tune with that. Um, so again, it was, a, it was a matter of pulling back. Um, and it took me a while to give up, give up on that idea that I can't do everything, you know, <laughs> and, and putting aside the jewelry and saying, okay, you know, right now I'm going to focus on the categories that make sense together, which is my superfoods, my teas, um, the wellness essentials and things like that. And stepping away from all of a sudden having a product such as jewelry that I think works really well with wellness, but necessarily it's not delivered as well. Um, so that, yeah, that was one thing that I definitely learned from don't try to do all these things all at once. Was there a moment when that kind of came to fruition, that idea that, oh my gosh, I have to stop doing the jewelry. How did you come to that realization? Was it this light bulb moment where you said, I've got to get rid of that and just focus on one niche? It was a lot of work. And I think what <laughs> happened was... <laughs> That's always was, the answer, Shiva. <laughs> you know, I'm, and I'm not saying don't be scared of hard work, but you notice that like all of a sudden it's like running three different companies, right? And I like to compare it to like, you know, um, children or, or, or your flowers or whatever it is that you're taking care of, right? I mean, it's one thing to have them, but it's another thing to, you know, make sure that they're flourishing and that, you know, they're, they're in their best environment and they're growing. And they require a lot of care and attention. And so business ideas are sometimes like that. You know, a lot of ideas can be wonderful. But if you can, you know, water those seeds and if you can, um, you know, really spend the time it requires for it to flourish, it's really not going to go anywhere. And you also take away from one to the other. Right. So if it's not cohesive or if it doesn't make sense, then you're going to be, especially as a small business, when you don't have limited resources, right? You have to really pick and choose. And 
Also, another realization along the way has been, you know, having a huge product line. Each one of them are their own individuals. So sometimes it's not a good idea to have all these different flavors and and different stuff because it just becomes an immense amount of work and very challenging to then scale. Where if you had a handful of ideas where you really were able to focus on and bring to the next level, then you can take your learnings from that and apply it to, you know, different products, different models, different ideas. Um, and again, just trying to be everything to everyone and too much at once. I think it's a very common mistake. I see a lot of early um, entrepreneurs or um, small businesses make because we kind of don't want to miss out on anything. But in the meantime, because we're trying to be everything to everyone, we're really missing out on a lot because we can't focus um, the other thing I think is very important is, you know, really asking for feedback. Um, I think you can stay in your head. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people are running their business and they, they think they're doing well. Yes, sales are rolling in. So there are indicators or benchmarks that you want to hit. But also, you know, it's very important as you're developing that you have you create a support group that you can bounce ideas through and just get feedback because and people that are going to be honest with you. So they're not just saying, yeah, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's important to get that feedback. And sometimes it hurts when people say your idea sucks or no, I don't think you're doing well. And it doesn't mean that they're always correct. But it's good to be open to feedback from your customers, from your, um, you know, team members, from even maybe some people that you are, um, you know, just working with or have come across with. Right. So I think it's important to really put your ears out there and, and get out of your head, because at the end of the day, it's although it's your business, in order for it to be successful, it has to make sense to the people that you're selling your stuff to. And, and that requires for you to have your ears to the ground. What does that feedback loop look like for you? What is that community that supports you? So what I started doing is I actually created um, like an advisory group for my business because as I became, um, as the business started growing and ideas start flowing in, I realized, okay, it's very important to, you know, initially before starting these ideas that I get that initial feedback. So there's the initial, I call them maybe the advisory board or my leadership team that I sit down and I talk to. Um, then there's my immediate, you know, um, family, friends, people that I'm very comfortable with that I always bounce ideas to. And then beyond that, I've now really involved my customers. So I have what I call my VIP customers or people that are really, you know, have helped grow this brand that I continuously engage and communicate with. And I really ask for their opinions. If I want to launch something, I will send it to them first, make sure, you know, get their feedback um, and really take my time before uh, making decisions. Sometimes you don't have that uh, luxury also. So, you know, I don't want to uh, make it seem like I have all this time to do all these things. Like in the ideal world, I, with every decision, you would have this opportunity there are decisions that, you know, you just have to make. And sometimes you make the wrong ones. <laughs> but in, in hindsight, like when it comes to things that are like product based or launching new ideas, I have learned now to really uh, create this, this ecosystem um, and processes. And the good thing with this is that once you figure it out once, the next time it's a little bit easier because you already have a process in place. I think as a small business, when you start out, sometimes you don't have those processes and procedures in place. So it can be very overwhelming when you're looking at the bigger picture of like, you know, getting feedback and listening to this. But after you do it once, I promise you it'll become easier because you will have that experience and you essentially follow that process. And, you know, you'll change your process as you grow, but it will definitely allow you to, you know, work your way through um, just like any other thing you have to build in life in little steps. I'm really interested to learn more about this process for getting customer feedback. Can you explain in more detail what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this depending on what the feedback is like, let's say um, if we're going to introduce a new product, 
Um, well, first and foremost, before that, um, I'm always incorporating, um, you know, ideas of what people are giving me. So, for example, categories that people are interested in. So I will do customer surveys. Uh, the ones that I'm in communication with, I may, you know, take them out for coffee or have a quick call with and just really talking to them on a one-on-one basis. Now, as as the business is growing and I've gotten busier, it's been harder to kind of do things so personally, I think that gets a little bit more challenging. Um, so what we've done now is created little groups of, of, um, of our customers and just people who are in our community. And they know when we have, for example, um, a bunch of new products we want to bring on, they're the first ones that are going to sample those. And there's like a feedback form that goes with it. And they tell us, okay, you know, for example, if it's a new tea that we're bringing on, you know, how did you like the taste of the tea, the smell of the tea? And we really collect that information. So some of the information will be subjective in terms of like how they like it, but more importantly, we're also looking to see if it, it meets the requirements of what they're asking us. So, for example, people may tell us, you know, I really want you guys to bring um, a product that helps with uh, skin, right? We want to ask them, okay, you know, did you notice any difference in your skin? Do you think this is something that you would use? And just those key targeted um, feedback to see if it's allowing us to hit those markers. Now, this is a big process. So, in talking about it, it sounds easy, but in doing it, it's a little bit more complicated because you essentially have to be very organized and you have to understand exactly what you're trying to do and then work your way up to it. And so we've learned as we've gone gone ahead and a lot of our ideas, for example, haven't come to life because we didn't get the feedback we wanted, right? Um, and, and some of the ideas have been very good because we really honed in and listened to what exactly they were telling us. How long do you think it would take you on average to go through that process of incorporating feedback, figuring out whether whether there is a product market fit, and then getting that product to market? I've done it as fast as three months. Um, Now, I know that is, again, this is on a much, let's say, you know, pre-organized setting. So where you do things, and I've, I've had products where it's taking me over a year before I bring it into life. So just depends who the target is and what we're trying to bring on. If it's a new, you know, superfood tea, something that we're accustomed to, it's just something new, it's much faster. But if it's a brand new product, for example, um, last year, we started introducing um, at-home wellness tests. And this was an such a huge arena for me, which essentially I haven't tapped into, but some of the people I had met um, that were specialists in this particular category had really brought on some amazing opportunities for us to work with these labs and be able to offer this amazing new product to market in a way that has never been done before. And so with that process, it took a much longer period. Um, So for the launch itself, just to try out the idea, uh, we did it at... Uh, one of the trade shows where, you know, for 15 days, we were just literally questioning people and trying to sell it and seeing what the feedback is. It was a very exhaustive, long process before we got to what we needed to do. Um, So again, I think it just depends on who, where you are, and what it is you're trying to accomplish. Is it something that's, you know, really revolutionary and unheard of? That's going to take a little bit longer. If it's, you know, just adding on things that you're used to or it's within the same arena of what you're dealing with, I think once you put your process and procedures in place, it can be done pretty um, quickly. And also how big is your team, right? So again, are you a one-man show or one-woman show? Hmm. Or do you have 10 people on your team, right? So, And what are the skill sets of those people on your team? Are they able to execute and deliver? So again, um, I think it just depends on all those factors. But the, the main point is it is possible and it's where very well worth to take your time to do that because you will definitely be able to learn a lot from the process of that development. When it comes to figuring out that product market fit, do you have anything else that goes underneath that umbrella outside of the customer feedback? Oh, definitely. So, I mean, there's your, (laughs) there's your typical, you know, your SWOT analysis, you know, your strength, weaknesses, Um, you are looking at your competitors, Um, you're looking at the forecasting of, of what does the industry itself look like. 
And sometimes that can be tricky, especially if, you know, you're being a disrupting the industry, right? You're not necessarily doing things that has been done. And you're trying to bring these ideas to board that are revolutionary or just different. And it's a more risk attached to it. Um, but I think it's about sitting down and really doing your business plan on the idea. And I know that business plans, some people believe that business plans are overrated <laughs> and, you know, you need to get out there and do the work, but I'm a strong, firm believer of business plans and not because everything goes as to plan, but I think it allows you to create an overall guidance of the process. Um, and in that business plan, there are key indicators that if you just follow, will give you a lot of answers and you can always go back to it as you're developing your ideas. That's really great feedback. Thank you for sharing that. I want to circle back to something you said earlier around an advisory board that really kind of piqued my interest. I'd be interested to know, how do you select those folks on your personal advisory board? What are the qualities in those people you're looking for? So initially when I started, and again, being just a very small business, it was essentially my team of who I was working with. But then as the business started growing and we got involved in bigger projects, I really wanted to step outside of just my immediate group. And so I looked at, for example, colleagues that may be in the same industry as me, maybe they own a different company or, you know, they have a different set of skills that I necessarily or my team doesn't possess. Um, and, you know, bringing them on board. For example, um, we uh, wanted to launch a DNA test uh, that we were offering to our customers. Um, so on that board, I brought a genetic specialist that would help us, you know, understand it, research, understand the information, um, as well as we want to make sure that the group that we're putting together um, understands the the topics being discussed not, doesn't mean that, you know, what I'm trying to say is some level of expertise is always good to have on your board. And as much as you guys can look at things differently, the better I think, because then different information and different ideas come about. Um, I hate to be sitting in an advisory board where everyone's agreeing. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, especially, I mean, on some at some point, yes, but I think it's very important for that group to really be honest and to really offer that, you know, skill set that maybe individually you wouldn't have, but as a group collaboratively, you can really analyze and come up with these decisions. Um, and listening to each other is very important to just hearing, okay, what is the feedback that's being given? And then from there, the decision-making becomes a little bit easier. Now, sometimes as a small business owner, you may not have an advantage of having this group, but it doesn't have to be such a sophisticated group at the beginning. It can, you can work your way up to that. Right. Uh, but again, just having that mindset of, you know what, I'm going to pair myself up with people who not necessarily think exactly as I do have different skill sets that they can help um, when they come onto this table and can give me some sort of level of expertise. Um, and in doing that, I've also done that for many people as well. Um, so I think that it's important not to just keep asking, but also giving, because when you're involved in giving feedback or even looking at another business or whatever the case may be, um, it really opens your eyes and it's a really good community or an ecosystem that you can create for yourself. And I can give you an example. Um, I started a group um, maybe about two years ago. It's called the Women in Wellness Group. And initially, you know, it was just about networking and just getting the group together. And then from this group of women that we were getting together, we met some amazing individuals that we ended up working together. We launched magazines together, did events together. Um, some went on to, you know, uh, having their own businesses launched. So I think it was so nice to create this, you know, group um, surrounding not just your business, but about the journey that we were all on. And that really helped uh, facilitate and keep the motivation going as well as you're growing the business. I think there's so much value in that community piece and and having something to, to sustain yourself when times get tough and, and to bounce ideas off of the, all those things that you've already mentioned. The board that you've kind of described, that sounds to me like something that is done on an ad hoc basis. You're trying to launch a new product and you're going to get feedback from folks that you respect. 
Is that accurate? Or are you having, is this an advisory board that stays with you through your life? So I have both. Um, I have our advisory board that are people that are always on and have been on with the business with me from the beginning. Um, and so those individuals always help in the decision making. And then when we're trying to do these special projects, we will bring, bring in on other people that will help us as well. Um, but I have a set group of pe- individuals that, you know, we, we have to go through all our ideas with and come up with decisions. And I, and I purposely set it up that way because I feel like um, it allows me to make better decisions and also relieves the responsibility of making all the decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Just defer to the board. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a little bit easier. I mean, um, you know, obviously, as the the entrepreneur and as as the CEO, you do have to make those final decisions. And if anything goes wrong, it's always your fault. <laughs> Remember that <laughs> when it's when it, everything goes right, it's everyone's uh, success. Uh, but you know that's also part of the growing, right? But it's really good to have that group. I I, I believe in allowing yourself to be able to grow and to also. Uh, facilitate uh, bigger decisions because for example at the beginning of your business you may not have such complicated things to discuss maybe you can handle it yourself but as the business grows things get more complicated contracts get drawn up that you know you need legal advice on and you there's so many different components so I think as you advance you'll notice there's a huge advantage in having others to be able to come up with these decisions and just to clarify, this is not a corporate board. This is just your personal board, folks that you trust and bounce ideas off on a regular basis. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's not a corporate board. Um, although technically um, I could set, I have set, set up some of them at this point of the business, but at the beginning, definitely it's folks that I trust and I work with and that, you know, um, essentially we've, we are um, doing this uh, together as a team. What does that process look like when you meet with them? Is it to say, I've got an idea, tear it apart? Or is it, this is a particular problem, how can you help me? So usually I would um, draw up an agenda and let them know beforehand. Because again, I think it's important for people to have time to think about what's going on. Um, I would also then present them with my any of my findings. So, you know, the backgrounds, there would be a meeting. I'd be like, hey guys, look, this is the situation, this is the goal, and here's where I need your feedback on. Um, So I try to facilitate that and keep it as organized as possible. And the reason I've done that is in the past, when I would just meet up for whatever reason, there'll be a lot of talking and no decision making. (laughs) So it's really important to be organized with, okay, what is the purpose of us sitting here and discussing this, right? Am I just interested in your opinion or are we trying to come up with a solution or weigh out the cons, pros and cons of a particular decision we have to make. Um, so I think um, my advice would be in setting that up is that to really be focused, um, because also you could waste a lot of your time talking <laughs> and not accomplishing. <laughs> I've learned that too. And, you know, talk, talk is cheap. <laughs> time is money. <laughs> um, and, you know, you got to keep that in mind when you're, when you're doing these things, right? And I, I find that that's one of the big problems with as companies grow, right? Like there's so many meetings. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked with some of the bigger companies in terms of like just, you know, doing collaborations with or let's say, you know, we're becoming one of their vendors. And we've had meetings with like 10 people about something when I, in my head, I said, wow, like one person could have taken care of this, right? <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, the, that as the companies get bigger, I think they really lose sight of, they don't need to do so many meetings and talking as well. Um, and I think the the key is, you know, keep it short and sweet and focused. Well, I love that idea of the personal advisory board. And, and I think it's really got a lot of merit to it. And it sounds like you're really a community builder. I'm wondering, Shiva, what motivates you? You seem to be the kind of person that incorporates so many uh, different innovative techniques into their business. Why do you do that? What keeps you going? I think just that, like to keep it fun. I know that, um, and I know, I mean, maybe fun is not the right word, but I think what it is to me is that I look at this whole process 
as almost a game, you know, a fun game, because if you don't, then you're going to quit. <laughs> you're like, okay, no one wants to sign up for this because there's so many challenges that come along the way that if you take it personally, it's going to be too much. So I think what, what you have to do if you're going to continue and be sort of, you know, resilient in terms of entrepreneurship is really look at it as um, a fun game, a fun journey. You have to, I know it sounds cliche, but you do have to enjoy the process. And the process is in the doing, it's in the learning, it's in, you know, figuring things out. So when something comes up that doesn't necessarily, you know, it's a problem or it's an issue, rather than getting upset about it or getting deterred, it's like getting excited about it and saying, okay, what can I do? Who can I, you know, put together to help me with this? And sort of keeping that energy level going, because with that energy, you then definitely help yourself to be able to first of all keep going and then if you keep doing it you will finally excel and this has been the biggest learning thing for me is that you know there is the the truth that you know there's a big process before that acceleration happens at least for me that's what I've experienced I know some people are successful right away and wonderful for them (laughs) <laughs> kudos to them uh, but for me it wasn't like that you know it took time it took a lot of time it took a lot of persistence but I, I can tell you that if I had given up at those moments where I was like mm, I don't know I probably would have never reached a level I have now it was about you know really looking at it as like okay what am I going to do next and not giving myself the excuse of you know um, this is too hard I'm going to give up Having said that, I also think it's very important to know when to stop on some ideas or actions. So it's not always that you keep going and going, even if you're not seeing results. I don't recommend that. But it's about the idea that you're strong enough to be able to continuously come up with solutions to different challenges that are coming up. They may be different challenges. It may be about different products and ideas. But the idea is don't give up. Don't allow yourself to get to that mindset that, you know, everything is supposed to be easy. And if it's not easy, then it's not working out. Sometimes things just take a long time and you have to just appreciate that and and understand it. And that comes with experience. But um, once you kind of get yourself into that mode, it kind of um, it doesn't bother you as much. At least that's been my experience. I love that concept of fun. I think that that's something that's missing from the conversation a lot of the time. Is there some way that you keep that top of mind or is it just your personality and how you've always operated? Well, definitely. um, I think my personality, I don't know if I'm a fun person. I'm a a happy person, I think. I smile a lot. Um, But when it comes to, you know, it's like just being less um, serious about things. And I know that, of course, we're in serious times right now. There's, you know, of course, when you financially invested in something or, you know, sacrificed a lot of your, um, you know, your life to become an entrepreneur, to develop a business, to take this major risks, right? It, there's a lot at hand and it can really be a lot of pressure and it can be very difficult, especially when things are moving really slow and you're, you're really concerned about your livelihood or about how things are going to come. But I think what it is, is that just reversing that and just, you know, stop focusing on what could go wrong and really focusing on, okay, what am I, how am I getting better? Why do I choose to do this? Right. Because at the end of the day, I think sometimes we forget that we choose to be entrepreneurs. We choose to be, you know, business owners um, and it's a choice. And, you know, we sacrifice a lot. I mean, I think right now it's it's interesting. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but a lot of times people think entrepreneurship is all fun and games and, you know, exciting. It's become very cool, let's say, but really it's not. It's a lot of, it's the opposite, right? It's a lot of work and it's a lot of things. But again, like allowing yourself to not get so caught up in the, the nitty gritty of what's going on and really just appreciating the fact that, you know, you have the freedom 
to do the business you want, to do it at your time, and to be able to make processes uh, and and products and whatever you're doing at your own pace. And that there's a beauty to that. Like I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing things come to life and being able to make decisions and doing things on my own terms. Yes, that means that I don't have my, you know, um, typical things that people would have when they're when they're necessary working for someone else. But also it's very fun for me, or maybe not the word isn't fun again, it's very uh, exciting for me to be able to have that control over what I'm doing. Um, and beyond that, what I'm contributing to my community, how am I helping people? What am I doing with my time? So again, going back to your core values, right? Why did you choose to do this business? What was your reason? And that why you better have a good one because if you don't, it's going to be hard as it goes along, right? You really need to be able to keep that passion or that reason of why am I doing this? Because when times get rough and I promise everyone, unfortunately, that there will be some rough times, you really need to hone in and ask yourself that. And it's okay to be sad or not happy at all times. I think we wouldn't be human if we were always happy or we would be fake, right? But the idea here is, you know, allow yourself to bounce back and don't stay in the whole, you know, dark area of, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How is this going to ever work? And those thoughts are very human and we all have them, but I think it's very important to create that mindset of, you know, I'm going to do this. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm always listening to motivational stuff. I'm always trying to uh, be around people who are motivated. Like you really have to get yourself into a mindset and it's like showering. It doesn't last. Like you have to continue <laughs> to do it. Oh no, I didn't <laughs> know. Motivation is something you got to keep going, right? Like you can't just, you can't just expect to wake up every day motivated. You have to put yourself in that mindset and it requires work. It requires movement. It requires, you know, just, um, creating some sort of, you know, um, process that your brain can adapt with in, in, in times of uncertainty. And that's the key thing. If you can handle those uncertain situations, then you're good to go. Well, that's a real revelation about the showers. Cause I have, <laughs> gotta be honest with you there are going to be some upset people out there uh, <laughs> not been good on the showering front <laughs> turning back to questions for you that was a segue when you went through that process of getting back to your why of having to go through this pivot because of covid going online what have you learned from getting deeper into that pit of on, of the online world? I think one of the main things that I've learned is that I, it's going to sound a little bit, you know, like, well, I'm just going to say it, like anything is possible. And that, <laughs> no, it I sounds, it. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, sometimes when we're going through a process, you know, we maybe see things a certain way, you know, maybe we always thought, you know, I'm going to, you know, get married, have kids, have this, do that, you know, these typical things we have in our mind, it can also be the same thing for your business. You may have, you know, had the mindset that it had to be this way and that way. You had this whole vision, maybe that you had that you saw would come to life. But I think as you pivot, and as things happen, if you keep that mentality that, you know, anything is possible, and allowing yourself to really, you know, going with the flow and, you know, just following, following the stuff that you know are working or that are the next steps, just doing it as exercise, you will definitely um, get through it and see results. It's just a matter of not, uh, you know, stopping and allowing yourself to keep um, what do they say? Fail forward <laughs> as you're going through it. And so for me, the learning has been that don't give up, be patient, um, and just go through the process. Cause I've seen it, um, by, by just waiting that little bit longer, the results have come. What are some of the lessons you've learned around marketing your brand? How to get it in front of people? I think one of the key lessons that I've learned in terms of marketing is that um, sometimes less is more. Um, so again, what I mean by that is, you know, really trying to 
fine tune your messaging is the best way you can you can do things. And that takes a lot of hard work because we see these major brands that are very successful and they make it look so easy, right? Um, Nike, just do it, right? Things like that. Like these things seem so simple, but when it comes to your brand and when you have so many things to say, it's like, how do I fine tune my messaging? And I think um, when I was able to essentially see a shift in terms of my marketing activities was when I really honed into my key, I call them my avatar or the person that I'm talking to. So now I know everything about that person. That person even has a name, right? Um, and so it's understanding who exactly you are serving and what can you offer them. Um, very important right now in the in the time we're in that when it comes to marketing, you think about what it is that you can offer people. You know, it's all about value added and then the ask. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to do that in a way that is very seamless. And uh, I think the best way to do it is to continue doing it authentically uh, and sharing your story and really trying to really add that value first. Um, and then the people will come because they can see that value. Now, the other lesson is that you could have the best content, you could have the best everything, but you may, no one may know about you. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, you can also get caught up in just having everything perfected, like, oh, everything looks great, but you have to also think about what's next. So how am I going to get people to now see my brand? How am I going to gain traffic to my website? So it's about, you know, seeing the picture a little bit wider when it comes to marketing, um, not just being focused on the output, but also how are people going to see this? How is this going to convert into the final goal that you have in mind and building those funnels, building those channels. That's the art of marketing, which is something that I'm continuously learning and, and working with different individuals to, to perfect and it never changes. It never stops. But it's just finding those those you know funnels that you can really allow your marketing to go into full motion and become a vehicle. Because the ultimate goal for me um, has really been um, to have most things on autopilot, right? Of creating models or creating systems where you know I can, for example, be with my kids and the sales are being generated, right? So when I've created things like that where it's giving me residual income and I'm and I'm you know over here, but I'm still making money from the activities that I worked hard on, um, that's really a great marketing thing that has happened, and that's what I love. What do you think has been the most successful method of getting that traffic? to your website or social or your content? Um, there's been a couple of things. So post, uh, before the whole online switch for me, I had a lot of success with um, in-person events um, and in particular brand collaborations. So again, as I mentioned, um, my brand is a wellness brand and I was able to really team up with all the major gyms in Canada. And we really did that like more like a, literally like walked into the gym, talked to the managers, then from there went to their corporate office. It was really uh, grassroots, <laughs> kind of getting the, get not being scared to get rejected and asking them, hey, you know, can we do demos at your gym? Can we offer our products to your customers? Can we give coupons to your people? And so we started really building within our own community. And then from there, it went from, you know, dealing with that particular local branch to their head office. And then, for example, we got the approval, the national approval to deal with all of their branches, right? So it really, I think um, the first thing was not being afraid of getting that rejection and just going after the first point of contact and then building your way up. Um, the other thing, I, as I said, is especially as a new startup, uh, company, you really need social proof and you also need credibility, right? So being able to pair up with other brands and doing collaborations and giving a lot of your stuff away, but just to be able to say, hey, in collaboration with this said brand, it really opens up a lot of doors down the line for you. So at the beginning, there was a lot of giving, right? Um, but it 
has come around now for me past once I've been able to do all that. And so sometimes when you're doing it, you're like, okay, it seems like we're just giving and giving, but there is a, there is a method to the madness or there is something that at the end comes to life. And so it's, again, about collaborations and about uh, finding the channels to work your way up into these organizations to be able to get through them. Now, the other thing is that I think we're in a time where we're so blessed because there's so much information about how to do things, right? Like even setting up your own website, driving traffic to your website, being able to hire experts to work with at a reasonable cost where in the past, maybe, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that. So I think it's also just educating yourself and, you know, listening to what's working and working with individuals that can really help facilitate that growth. Um, and so finding key people to collaborate with, not only from a brand perspective, but from building perspective and just sharing your expertise and and valuing your time. I, I think one of the mistakes I learned early on is that I didn't, I was trying to do everything myself. But the problem with that is that you can only do so much, right? And you miss a lot of opportunities. The minute I was able to hire interns or hire someone that was able to help me with a particular task, my business uh, was able to scale up double and, and, and kept, kept growing because I was able to actually delegate. But it was hard for me to let go. I'm a little bit of a uh, <laughs> control freak. <laughs> you know, I want everything to be done my way. But once I was able to like let go of that, I realized that a lot more things went well. And here's another thing um, which I learned that they say that, you know, if the person can do it 70% or I don't know if it's 70 or 80% around that, as good as you can do it, it should be delegated. Um, so really, like if you can imagine a lot of things that we're trying to do ourselves, if we have the capability to delegate, um, the growth of the business will be tremendous because it allows you to think it allows you to focus on things that you're good at rather than, you know, spending five weeks on a task that would take someone, let's say, five days. Is there one thing you think either a personal characteristic or one business decision that you made that has contributed the most to where you are right now? I think positivity. And I know that um, that sounds like, okay, what, like a little bit generic, but I think it's it's really important to remain um, a positive attitude in all situations. And of course, that doesn't mean that you're not ever upset or there's in bad moments or there's no negative thoughts. There's lots of that. <laughs> but it's about the mindset of, you know, trying to persevere with a positive mindset and continuously looking at situations rather than failures as learnings, um, la rather than, you know, I'm not going to go ahead is like, okay, what is the next way? Um, and kind of, I think having that mindset has really helped get me through being competitive is also another aspect. Like I don't like losing. <laughs> so it's sort of like, you know, I find that, um, it's just like, I'm that person who doesn't want to give up. And like, if something doesn't work, it in fact, even motivates me more. But that I think is just like my personality. I can't give up on problems. So maybe it's a good thing for entrepreneurs to have. Uh, that that level of competitiveness or wanting to, you know, solve things and like come up to a resolution. And I think that's what's kept me going, um, as well as just the personal aspect of enjoying the the process. Like I mentioned, you know, it's so important to allow yourself to understand that it's really a, an, an honor or a luxury to be able to have your own business and to be on this entrepreneurial pathway. A lot of people don't have that. So really not also taking it, like not looking at it as something that is negative, but really looking at it as something that you've picked and is a wonderful opportunity to have a lot of things come to life. In those moments where you are facing challenges, how do you stay resilient? I cry in secret. <laughs> um, you know, there's you have to allow yourself to also feel the pain or the upset, right? So I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you're always happy and everything's always good and yay, you know, no, that, that's not reality. So really, I think um, the key thing is 
to allow yourself to be upset about it, whatever, whatever feelings you're going through. I think that's very normal and human, right? You got to get, get that out of the way, but then really detaching yourself uh, from the emotions. And it's very difficult because I'm also an emotional person. So sometimes it's difficult to detach my emotions. So for example, you know, if things didn't go my way, um, I may feel personally hurt. But really, as a business, my me being hurt doesn't mean anything, right? It's a bit, okay, what is the next step for the business? What is the contingency plan for the business? So you really have to separate your feelings, I think, um, from what your business actions are supposed to be. Having said that, doesn't mean you become a robot, but you just, you know, kind of figure it out in between and allow yourself um, to continue to... Uh, just be forgiving on, in terms of whatever that's happened and kind of moving forward from that perspective. I want to wrap up here with a question around networking. I see you as somebody that is such a community builder and so focused on relationships and and adding value to other people, just like you have through this podcast. How do you manage the kind of need to get out and meet these other entrepreneurs with also not wanting to be that person that just runs around a room handing out business cards. How do you navigate those two ends of the spectrum? So it's really interesting because, I mean, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm I'm a very outgoing person and sort of like, you know, I like to talk to people and everything like that. But also, ironically, like I'm just that person who hates to pick up my phone. If you're calling me, I may not answer. <laughs> so there's like I have this double personality where you put me in a room or I'm on this call and I'll be able to say everything and be happy and be able to engage and everything that's good. But I definitely also fall into that introverted mindset where sometimes it's very difficult for me to pick up the phone, to make those calls. And I know it sounds weird, but it, that's just who I am. So I've I've been fortunate, I guess, to experience both sides of this, of, you know, having that reservation to putting yourself out there and kind of making to do it. And one thing I can share is that just go, like, you just have to do it. There's always that reservation when you have to make that call or do something. At the same time, going back to what you said, is that I think that when you remove the, when you take away uh, networking as, hey, it's all about me. I'm going to go tell you what I'm doing. And here's my elevator pitch. And here's how you can help me. If you're doing it that way, it's very awkward. And it's more than likely you're going to come across. But you know, again, if it's more about, hey, what is it that you're doing? Like, um, you know, what is your business about? Can we talk about, you know, what are some of the issues you're having? Can I, can I use you as a resource? Like just rewording the way you communicate and you try to build those relationships, I think will go a long way. So don't worry about what they can do for you right now. Worry about how can you add value to them right now? Or how can you help each other go through this journey? And I think, um, once you put yourself in that mindset of actually trying to help others before what they can do for you, trust me, that help will come back to you tenfold. And I've experienced it on multiple occasions where, you know, I've given my time or whatever it is that I could do to it said individuals. And then the same individuals have been able to introduce me to people who've, uh, who've changed, you know, a lot of great things for my business and allowed my business to grow. So I think, it's important to do that. It's also important not to be afraid to make those calls and to be rejected. And that's fine. It's part of it. You just have to, you know, pull up your pants and move on. <laughs> 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 that's it next, you know, and, and that's it. Like, it's okay. And, you know, at the beginning, I never forget this. Like when I first started my business, I went to this like networking event and there was a lady um, who, you know, owned this really uh, famous place. And uh, I won't name her <laughs> in case she listens to this one day. And, you know, she was giving this whole speech. And and I was so inspired, like, when I was sitting and listening to her. I'm like, wow, like, this is amazing. I'm going to, you know, I build up the, the, the guts to go after the whole talk and walk up to her and sort of, like, pitch my business to her. And, like, when she looked at my stuff... She's like, no, what is this? Like, she kind of gave me such a negative feedback. And I was so shattered. I'm like, oh, my God, Like, I, can't, I thought so highly of this person. And now she thinks so low of me. But you know what? It was kind of like, it's so funny because like 
three, four years later, I was in the same room with that person and, and I was doing so much better and everything that she had thought was going to go to nowhere had come to so much better than what she could have even imagined. So what I'm trying to get at is that don't be discouraged also from those bad meetings or things that don't necessarily go as you think. It's it's not about you and it's really just about that person having you know their moment. Um, if you continue to see how you can add value to others, how you can build, you know, your own community, then then the networking will happen. And and also just not being stuck in your own head and thinking that, you know, oh, you know, they're not going to like it or they're not going to do this. So what? If they don't like your idea or if they don't want to work with you, then you move on. And that's something that you'll gain with experience and, and be able to hopefully um, build resilience on. Shiva, to end, is there anything that I didn't ask you that maybe you wish that I had, or is there something that you want to end on, or do you want to just leave it right here? Well, in the ending, I think just to sum it up, I think that you know um, the key points that we discussed today were were that you know being an entrepreneur and being able to be a part of this journey, it's such a, a privilege. And, you know, thinking about all the humans in the world who don't have that opportunity that they have to work for others or, um, or they can never own their own, you know, pathway or creating these things. So I think I would like to just remind our fellow entrepreneurs to be really proud of that and to really enjoy the, enjoy that, 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 you know, privilege we have to be able to do this and to be a part of this. And I think uh, on a final note, I think building our communities together and working together is always going to help us. So don't think of people as competition, always think of collaborations. And with that mindset, um, you will be able to really reach new, new boundaries and be very successful. Well, Shiva, you are very obviously somebody that consistently strives for more in your business, in your life, in your relationships. And I'm just really, really grateful and honored that you sat down with us today. And for for you listening right now, if you want to learn more about Shiva, you can find her personally on LinkedIn at Shiva B. And you can also find Avazira on their website at avazira.com. Shiva, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stay tuned for more stories from successful entrepreneurs, artists, influencers, and sports and medical moguls. Please know that I've got your back, and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this episode, then please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also find Strive Accelerator on Instagram at Strive Accelerator and find show notes and all of our free content on our website at striveaccelerator.com. I always want to hear feedback from listeners, so please shoot me an email at jared at striveaccelerator.ca.